Amen. Awesome, awesome. Hey, if you got your Bibles, I would love for you to turn to Luke chapter 6 just for a few moments as we sort of start off what our theme is for today. And it's all about, as we are going through this thing about last night, we talked about that God has a design for your life. And now we're going to talk about what sin does a little bit today and how we are people who are broken because of that sin. And so what happens is, is that sometimes we come along with something uh, that we realize that maybe we give God the type of verbal affirmation of who he's supposed to be, but all the time our lives don't necessarily reflect it. So you can say the goodness of God, but even when you say God or Lord, it's supposed to mean something when you say those words, when you sing those words. And sometimes I realize that sometimes we say words we don't really mean. Does that make sense? So, so when, my, when my boys were real young, I used to tell them a lot of times that they would try to somewhat come against me, even though I'm bigger and scarier than them at a very small age, I would tell them, hey, I'm the paterfamilia. I am the father of the family. I am the boss, right? You listen to me. I'm the dad. I'm the, I'm the father. I'm the paterfamilia. I'm the boss. And I can remember one day that my little two-year-old son looked at me and goes, Daddy, you're not the boss. And I said, oh, really? Excuse me? I am the boss, and you will do what I say. He goes, you're not the boss, Daddy. And I went, well, who is the boss? Mommy is the boss, right? It's <laughs> so after I sent him to his room, right, I had to go fix a whole lot of stuff in there. But when you say something like, hey, dad or father or boss, it's supposed to imply something that you mean, hey, when I use words like that, I really do mean what I'm saying. And here's a word that I want you to really, really make sure you understand. When we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying He's the boss. We're saying that we believe that he is the boss. And let me just tell you something. Referring to Jesus as Lord is not the same as obeying him as Lord. Referring to Jesus as Lord is not the same as obeying him as Lord. And I want you to see this here in these verses here. So Luke 6, 46. Jesus asked these uh, disciples this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you. See, see what he says there? He says, you're calling me Lord. You're using those words that I am your boss. I am your master. I am your Lord. But you're not doing what I tell you. So referring to Jesus as Lord is not the same as obeying him as Lord. It's very, very different. And there's a lot of times I can even realize this, that sometimes I can sing songs like what we just sang, and they're wonderful declarations of worship. And I go, I sang those words because there were lyric on the screen, but did I mean them? I mean, think about this. The third commandment out of the 10 commandments says, do not take the Lord your God's name in, does anybody know? Vain. What does that mean? Vain means empty. Vain means empty, like there's no weight to what I just said. So what if I just say, oh, the goodness of God, and I'm not thinking he's got over me. What if I say, I'll follow you, Lord, anywhere? Do I really mean that? Do I really mean he is my Lord? And Jesus said to these disciples, hey, you guys, you're calling me Lord, but you're not doing what I say. And so this is how he breaks it down. He sort of tells them a little parable. Look at verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and what? What's the next word he says? Does them. So he says, whoever hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Listen to this. 
But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house is great. So you get this picture of two homes that are both sort of hit by a similar storm, right? And I think it's very important for all of us to remember, all of us go through storms, but only some of us make it through them. You follow me? All of us are going to go through storms in our lives. Some of you are going through one right now. Some of you just came out of one. And some of you have storms that are coming to your life you don't even know. We're all going to experience things that come against us. And he says this, some homes representing people in this thing saying this, some of us are going to make it through those storms and some of us are not. Is it because some of us are smarter or wiser? No, it's this. He says the difference is this. Both of these people heard the word. They had somebody teach them the word. Maybe they'd even read the word, but the difference was one heard them and one heard them and applied them. He obeyed them. He did them. Can I just tell you right now, there are some of you that are so full of biblical knowledge, it is unbelievable. You could be teaching your Bible study today. You might be scared to do it, but you have been learning the Bible all your life and you go, but why do I feel like all the time I'm getting hit by storms and getting just completely knocked down? It's because you know the word you're not obeying the word. And there's a huge difference there. And so engaging biblical information requires study, but experiencing biblical transformation requires practice. There's a huge difference there. Let me say that again. Engaging biblical information, that requires study. You're going to a Bible study today. You're having to listen to me here for a few moments this morning. So you can do this by requiring study, but experiencing biblical transformation requires practice. This means application. You're actually doing something with a word that you are learning. And so when it says this, this man comes against, the storm hits, and be dug deep, and he laid a foundation, and that's it. So here's the picture. You know the word, and you apply the word. I have a friend who has been someone for a long, long time who has been on a weight loss kick for very, very long. And in fact, he could give you all the rules of the Weight Watchers program because he has started the Weight Watchers program about 23 times. And he is actually an expert in the knowledge of Weight Watchers, and yet he still needs to go through it. Why? Because he knows what his portion size needs to be. He knows when the meals are supposed to be, but guess what he's never done? He's never applied it. He's never put it into practice. And so he's an expert in the information, and yet he's never seen the difference take place. And I'm saying there are so many people that I know that know so much about the Bible, they're failing to apply that word. And so some of the most tragic lives are those who know the word but fail to apply it. If I think through how many of us struggle here today, that's it. The mo some of the most tragic situations in life are those who know better, but they just fail to apply it. And so in verse 49, when he says, the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I don't know in your life if you've ever seen a home, maybe not physically crumble, but spiritually and emotionally crumble. And a lot of times, why is it? Because someone failed to apply the word. And all of a sudden, devastation hit. And guess what? It wasn't just you, was it? It affected a lot of other people. In fact, that's kind of what's crazy about a collapse like that that takes place. My wife and I just had an anniversary trip, anniversary trip a few weeks ago, and we went off to a place, got a hotel. We were having a wonderful time, and the next morning we woke up, and no lie, my wife gets up to get ready, and all of a sudden she puts her foot down, and all of a sudden we just hear a splash of water underneath her. And she goes, Trav, there's water on my side of the bed. I don't know what's happening. There's a leak over here. So I come, and I get off my side of the bed, and guess what? 
It's, it's over there. And I'm thinking, we've got a problem here. So I'm thinking, do we leave something running? I go into our, our, the bathroom. Everything's fine there. We call the front desk. We go, we're, we're literally like treading water here in our hotel room. Like, and they said, we know about it. Someone had a little bit too much alcohol about three doors down from you and left the water running in the sink all night and had clogged it up or something. And it's now spilling over into everywhere else. So now this, this room that they flooded is now spilling down the hallway, about three rooms down the hotel. So they give us another room. And they said, can you go downstairs and move down the hallway? We said, sure, that'd be great. So we packed all of our stuff up. My Bible was floating, by the way. It was literally like at the bottom of, on the ground. We go down a floor, go about a hallway over, and guess what happens? My wife walks in, and women, they just have this little scent about them. You just know. She's like, it smells kind of wet in here. I'm like, oh, you're just, no, it's, it's fine. And all of a sudden, guess what? Water's coming through there again. Different floor, another hallway, and this little section. And here's the deal. Here's a, here's a couple, or whoever was in this um, room that night, didn't think anything about anybody else. All they thought was, our decisions don't affect anybody, do they? And what happens is sin always spreads. It always affects other people. And so your time where you say, I know the word, but I'm failing to apply it, you think it only affects you, it affects other people. I tell my church regularly, in fact, I tell them, it's very regular. As a pastor of a church, could I do something that takes me just a minute that could cause devastation for that church for 10 years? Yeah, I could. Devastation could be bad. The the house in that way could crumble. Why? Because I don't know the word? No, because I failed to apply it. And so our, our lives crumble when we fail to apply the truth from his word. We realize this, that most of the brokenness in our lives comes from our sin or someone else's sin. If we think through why is brokenness happening in your life or my life, here's the deal. Most of it happens because it comes from our own sin or from someone else's sin. And so today we have this opportunity to look at what are we going to do about when we hear God's word. Can I just tell you that there's nobody here in this room that has it all together? There's nobody in this room that hasn't struggled, that isn't even struggling today. All of us struggle. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We know the wages of sin is death. All of us have done this. But here's the deal, folks. We have the opportunity today of having God's word taught to us. The question is this. It's not that you know it by the end of the day, but are you going to apply it? So... um, in our church where we are, we're kind of in a revitalization kind of uh, moment in our church. It's been incredible to see what God's doing, but we're on a very, very busy road, and there's a lot of different communities all around it. And so our church literally is, you just never know what's going to happen. You never know what kind of um, information you're going to get or any kind of requests that you get. So a few months ago, uh, there was a letter that was sent to the church, and it was basically, uh, it, was, it had on there from the prison that we do some ministry in, and so uh, our, our receptionist opened up the letter, and it asked for a study Bible. Here's a guy, his inmate, I don't know, no one of us have ever heard of his name before, and it says, um, is there anybody there that can give us a study Bible? Well, someone had actually just given me an extra sack of books and library from someone who passed away, and there was a new study Bible in there. So I said, well, sure. And I said, well, you just go send this to him and then just tell him, you know, we're praying for him or whatever. And so she sent a quick note, didn't think another thing of it, okay? Well, then um, a couple weeks later, we get a letter back, and I see that's from the prison again. I'm going, who is this? And, and, I, and I open it up, and no lie, this guy had gotten the study Bible, and he decided to write me a letter. And I had to, I had to bring a copy of what he said because it's absolutely incredible. Thinking about what God's Word, not only knowing it and reading it, but applying it is. So this is what um, my, my friend uh, said from within the prison cell, right? He said, Dear Rocky Creek, man, oh man, oh man, am I, sa- am I so thankful for you guys and gals. I'm sitting here on the floor in my cell thanking God for you and your great kindness to me. 
I had written you all with such hope and cautious expectation, just praying that the day would come when my number one's heart desire would be fulfilled. Today was that day. If you only knew the great number of churches that I had written throughout the good, long, recent past, just hoping to be heard, hoping to be helped. Now, let me just get you, just make sure you understand this. Here's a guy who is probably going to be in jail the rest of his life, and all he's asking for is a study Bible. And there's a lot of people that say, well, you know what? You got what you deserve. But here's, let me tell you something. The men that I get the privilege of discipling in that prison are more free than some of the guys I know outside of the prison. They have found a freedom in Christ. They know that their consequences will be they will never leave that jail cell. And some of them say, Pastor Travis, I cannot lead my family the way that I'm supposed to. Will you teach me how to lead them from within these bars because I'm never leaving there? Now, here's a guy who all he wants is a study Bible. Now, listen to this. Now, he's not very mature in his growth just yet, okay? We're going to see a couple things here in a little bit. And yet now... As I writhe on this dirty concrete in sheer ecstasy, I find my, myself much sobered. The dancing has stopped. The incessant sniffing of these wonderfully new pages as I fan them an inch away from my nose has stopped. Rubbing the beautiful navy blue leather cover has stopped. Threatening the lives of the other inmates who were dumb enough to try and touch it when they see me get it has stopped. Okay, I love his honesty, okay? The reality of your kindness and the weight of your priceless gift in my hands has left me dumbfounded and in tears. I now suddenly feel ashamed for having asked you to help me, a stranger, to get a study Bible. Some random guy in jail, and yet you really have decided to get involved. Wow, you have chosen to care. You have chosen to sacrifice for me. I'm so humbled, and I'm so thankful. I want you guys to know this Bible will be cherished. This Bible will be protected. This Bible will probably be obsessed over, and without doubt, this Bible will be used. Doing time just got easier. Now I'm doing lines, line after line, page after page, 2,432 silver leaf pages to be exact, with an average of 50 lines a page. That's 121,600 lines, each line containing more power potential than all known creation. So needless to say, I am now swimming in an ocean of heavenly truth, and it's all because of God's grace and because of your goodness, your goodness to me. Of 12 to 15 churches I've written trying to get a study Bible, it is you who are ones who have done it. Now that it's finally come to pass, I feel quite strange. I feel good. I feel bad. I feel unworthy. I feel thankful. I feel so happy. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for caring. I appreciate you. And then he signed his name. Now, I don't know the last time you've been that excited about your Bible. I don't know the last time that you just felt like, mm, let me just sniff these pages here a little bit. All these pages of truth that God has given me to know what he's like and to know what I'm supposed to do. But let me just tell you something. My brother who's in prison right now, it's not enough to have a study Bible that looks nice. It's not enough for him to have memorized every page. The question is this. If you were going to dig on a foundation and build your house there, it's not just knowing the words, it's applying the word. And so today we're going to see what happens. When we fail to obey what God has said, when we fail to do this, we're going to see what happens is that the house crumbles. But for you, my prayer is this, that you would learn to not only know the word, but to apply the word. So, Father, I pray that this morning, as we continue to follow you and study what your truth would be for our lives, Lord, let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Let's use this bowl of cereal to show you the spread of Christianity around the world. Green represents Christianity, and red represents where the gospel has never been. Since the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel has spread across the world. But there are still many people who have never heard the gospel. Close to one-third of the world has still never heard the gospel. 
For the past four years, Fuge has focused on East Asia. American missionaries first arrived in East Asia in the 1800s on steamships, and the gospel began to slowly spread. However, churches in East Asia experienced multiple waves of persecution. Pastors were put in prison, churches were closed, and missionaries were forced to leave. But despite the persecution, the churches continued to grow, and they are now taking the gospel to other parts of East Asia. Today, countries like South Korea have become one of the largest missionary-sending nations, but countries like Japan have been slow to accept the gospel. So how can you be a part of what God is doing in East Asia? Here are three ways you can pray. Number one, pray for Christians in East Asia to be bold in sharing their faith. Number two, pray for creative ways to engage the younger generation in South Korea and Japan with the gospel. Number three, pray for the 300,000 East Asian students who are coming to the United States to study who have never heard the gospel. Thank you, Fuge, for helping make an impact in East Asia through your prayers. So this week, you guys actually have the opportunity to learn more about our mission in East Asia, to be able to give, to be able to pray, and to find opportunities on how to go. Our mission mobilizer, Emma Kay, she's right over here. Everybody give it up for Emma Kay. She's so wonderful. She and some of our staff will be at our missions table, which is located in our Fuge store. So when you come out to the lobby, you'll see some stairs here. You're going to go up the stairs, take a left, and you're going to see the Fuge store sign and the room right over there. So you can go see our Fuge merchandise and then also go check out our missions table. Thanks, Emma Kay. You're the best. How many of you guys want to know what you can do during hang time this week? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, you're like, yes, me, please. Okay, great. So this week we have something a little bit different every single day. So for today, as I mentioned, we have the store, we have the missions table. How many of you guys like Battle Ball, a.k.a. Dodgeball, but Battle Ball? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got some battle ball. So battle ball, we have a tournament that will take place in the LaHaye Gym at 415. Now, the thing is, this gym is on the other side of campus, so we have a shuttle that will help get you guys there. So the road in between this music hall and the cafeteria, that is where you will want to go to be shuttled over to the LaHaye Gym. Again, it's in between this music hall building and the cafeteria. That shuttle will start bringing people over to the gym from 4.15 until 5.20. So you're going to want to make sure that you catch that shuttle. At 4.15, they're going to start just doing rotations, coming back and forth. So you can go ahead and catch that over to the LaHaye Gym where you can do battle ball. You can also uh, go over to the indoor soccer field and enjoy that. We also have board games out in the lobby that we'll have during hang time as well. And then also, just a reminder, it is hot out there. So you guys need to be drinking water. What do you need to be doing? Excellent. Excellent. And then one last thing. At 11 o'clock, that is when you need to be in your rooms. And when you go in your rooms, you need to stay there until breakfast, okay? We can't have you running around the halls, putting lights in people's doors and all that crazy stuff, okay? So at 11 o'clock... You are in your room. Got it? Yeah. All right. Who's ready to get started with their first day? Okay, you can do a little better than that. Who's ready to get started with their first day? All right, excellent. So I'm going to go ahead and dismiss by section. But which section wants to go first? We got three here. Okay, okay. 
Of the two side sections, which one is more hype, this one or this one? Go ahead, impress me. Okay, what about over here? Okay, yep, you guys are dismissed. Go ahead, you're gonna go out to the grass area. Adults, you are going to stay in here. Students, you're gonna go out this section right here to the grass, just right outside the music hall to meet with your Bible study leaders. All right, this section over here, you ready? You ready to go? All right, you guys are dismissed. There's a door right over here. All right, my middle section. You guys are dismissed. Have a good day. Adults, remember, you are staying in here. Got the bass thump, yeah. feeling like Kirk, by the way, I'm thumped. Yeah. We be going up, got the whole place jumping. Yeah. Tell the whole world that we up to something. Uh. We the new church, got the whole world jumping. Uh. Sitting on for real, we ain't got time for fun. Uh. But I gotta let you know. Coke on wild, 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 coke on wild. We the new church, I'ma say it out loud. Been piped up for a good little while. Still no tears, jumping in crowd. Been piped up for a good little while. Coke on wild, coke on wild, coke on wild. Get piped up with the crew. With a new tuck, but it ain't nothing new. Piped on the East Coast and the West Coast too. 